R E A R E A R E A R E A Audio REA Audio. 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 Nate shares a great story of a truck driver who became a reluctant reading teacher and how he's chosen to stick with his volunteer work even since he's been back to his regular job. Well, Nate, thanks so much for uh, taking a few minutes out of your super busy day to join us. Um, as I mentioned in the intro, we're talking about success stories now through the holidays and your role here at Reemployability, you, you've had multiple roles where you are dealing with injured workers and adjusters and risk managers mm -hmm. pretty frequently, probably hundreds over your career here. So easily. <laughs> would you mind just introducing yourself a little bit? Tell sure. us what you've done here at Reemployability, and then we'll go into your story because it's really a good one. Okay, awesome. Yeah. My name is Nate Ryan. Um, I'm currently the resolution specialist for Reemployability. My previous roles were placement rep, so I would locate the the nonprofit assignments for the injured workers. Also, try to locate new nonprofit partners so that we have a, a nice wealth of, of resources when it comes to nonprofits. Mm -hmm. um, and then I became client service rep, which I worked directly with the employers and adjusters, let them know how the assignments were going, let them know when we found an assignment, mm -hmm. um, if we needed to make changes with the schedule, things like that. Just constant contact, help out with time tracking, things like that. And then my current role is. Um, Resolution specialist, I help with uh, escalated litigated issues, um, escal escalated issues of the nonprofit. If it needs to be an investigation, I help with the investigation, things mm -hmm. like that. And then also, um, currently, I'm helping with invoice questions just in case. So, we have a lot of new employers and a lot of new adjusters that are just kind of getting used to the program. So, I help kind of troubleshoot when they have questions on invoices. So, there's probably not a story you've not heard. I can't say that because there's a new story every day. <laughs> new story every day. Yeah. But yeah, I have experienced quite a bit. Mm -hmm. Yes, indeed. So in your experience talking with uh, employers and adjusters, what are, what are some of the, the concerns that they have about the program and putting their injured workers into this program? Well, um, the, surprisingly, the injured workers, as well as the employers and adjusters, have a lot of similar questions when it comes to the, the assignments and how well it's going to work. Um, but when it comes down, most of the time it comes down to are the duties going to be within the person's restrictions mm -hmm. um, and schedule and distance mm -hmm. and then try to figure that out with physical therapy and things like that. Mm -hmm. So step one is to make sure um, go over the duties with well, that's not what I like to do is if the injured worker calls me, I look at the we pull up the file, look at the assignment. I look up, look up their restrictions and then I and then I go over the duties and say, hey, you know, with, you know, say you can't use your right hand. Well, all of these duties can be done with just your left hand. And if you need a rest, and the nonprofit is more than willing to back you up, let it take a five minute break, 10 minute break, whatever you need, because a lot of our partners understand where these injured workers are coming from. Mm -hmm. They understand that they're injured mm -hmm. and they're, they're just happy to have the help. Yeah. So um, I think once you kind of put it to them that way, the injured worker is going to be less hesitant to, um, to, to you know, kind of push back on the assignment. Also, too, I mean, like a big thing is distance. A lot of people, um, injured workers, you know, drive maybe 10 to 15 miles to work, or sometimes assignments are a little bit further. But 
Most of the times I've had uh, pushback on the distance is usually the injured worker just doesn't know how far away it is or isn't familiar with that part of town. Mm -hmm. So pull up Google Maps, go over it with them, kind of, you know, try to troubleshoot if they don't have a car, help them find a bus line or, or you know, public transportation to get trained, things like that, buses to help um, locate that that um, direction to get there so they don't have to worry about having to drive or whatever. Do you get a lot of skepticism from the injured workers? Uh, I do, but most of the time it's just because they only know their job. That's the bit, one of the biggest complaints I get from injured workers. They're like, we've never worked anywhere else. We've been a truck driver for 50 years, 30 years, whatever it is. And they just feel hesitant, like, I'm not used to interacting with the community on a regular basis. And that's really a, a big holdup is just them not feeling comfortable doing something else. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, like, I wanted to be a truck driver because that's what I wanted, or I wanted to work, you know, in customer service at a store, so I'm in person. So um, what I like to do is I like to go over what they normally do and see how we can apply to the new assignment. So like I say, so, you know, when you drop off the trucks, you're not just dropping off the trailer and leaving. You're, you're sitting there, you're talking, and you're going through everything that's in it. So that customer service right there, you know, just mm -hmm. feel you connect with the people that you drop off with. You have that rapport with the people at Publix or wherever you're dropping off. And then so you you build that rapport as well with the people at the nonprofit. That's a great strategy. Yeah, that's really good. So you have a really good story that uh, you volunteered to come tell us oh, yeah, today yeah, about sure. a, a success uh, that, that made you feel good and, mm -hmm. and we know benefited the injured work. And so this is actually the story where I kind of came up with that, going over the duties and figuring out what they do. So it was a gentleman in Alabama, been a truck driver his whole life, um, and was very, very hesitant because first he was worried, like I said before, he was worried about the distance, but really the distance was an issue because that's, that's what he brought up first was the distance, but really it was just he didn't feel comfortable working outside of being a truck driver. So I went, I went over the, he was going to be working at Easter Seals, um, helping clients, uh, you know, greet him at the door help them set appointments, things very, very simple. Mm -hmm. And then sometimes he, um, most afternoons, he would just be reading to kids to help them learn how to read. Wow. And at first he was like, I've never done anything like this before. You know, I, I, you know, I only know the people I work with when I drop my trucks off, you know, drop the, the trailers off, things like that. Um, so I just, that's where I started. I go, well, how did you build a rapport with the people that you, you know, your drop sites? Mm -hmm. And he goes, oh, I never thought about that. And so once I got him to build that rapport with the people, the nonprofit, it was a lot easier for him to build that rapport with the children he was working with the afternoons, the parents that came in, and also the adults that were learning how to read. Mm -hmm. And also it helped him. He, he really, really enjoyed it because he, he learned new words that he didn't, you know, he didn't know before, but also too, he knew that was a need in the community that he was not aware of. Mm -hmm. Had no idea that um, illiteracy was an issue in his, as such a, to a magnitude because yeah. he saw so many people coming in every day mm -hmm. and was just blown away, but this many people didn't know how to read. Yeah. And so... Um, now that he's, re he's been returned to work for a while and he's still volunteering on his free time because he just loves the, the joy and all the um, new experiences he gets from interacting with new people every day and helping his community in a great way. So was this gentleman's restrictions pretty severe? Or with um, they were seated, yes, they were, they were, they were seated and um, he, could, he had a, a back injury. So, you know, and the Easter Seals was like, he's going to have to walk around, he's going to get up, he can just stay right there, or if he, if he wants to get up and needs a break, you know, to stretch his back and then sit right back down, you know, a lot of our partners are more than willing to accommodate the, the best, to the best of their ability. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, I had Deb on last week, we okay. talked about Walter's story, I think everybody here at Reemployability knows Walter's story, it sounds like a lot of the initial fear, and, and that's what it is, right. from injured yeah. workers, is the same, never done this before, right. unknown, unknown, exactly. Mm -hmm. 
Walter was able to overcome that. He continued to work at the nonprofit. It sounds like this gentleman mm -hmm. has done the same thing. He was there for about four or five, four or five months. Right. Mm -hmm. There are a lot of things that we can do as reemployability to put the injured worker in the right spot based on you know their location, based on their restrictions. But there's a lot of things that happen in the background that really reemployability has nothing to do with that help make the injured workers experience a positive one. And a lot of that comes from the employer. What are some of the things that you see employers doing that help make these experiences positive? In this particular situation, the employer, whenever the injured worker called, um, they made sure they answered and also too they would just they have a regular call set up so they talked to him at least once a week mm -hmm. and that was huge for him I once he was at his assignment for a couple weeks and we were doing, we were doing our normal check-in he let us know that it really meant a lot that we checked in with him but also that his employer was checking with and with him regularly mm -hmm. now I know sometimes attorneys and stuff can get in the way of that so check in with the attorney just you know you know or have the adjuster whoever is allowed to speak to the other attorney if it's even if it's just your attorney just keeping that open communication was really key especially in this situation but most of the success stories I have are because the employer or the adjuster really took the time to keep that rapport if they already had rapport with their employer with their employee previously mm -hmm. because especially if they already had a rapport previously, because the injured worker, once they throw out a workman's comp, they feel like they're all alone. Mm -hmm. They're not in that camaraderie. They're not with their, their employer every day. So they feel that disconnect. Mm -hmm. And once you keep, if you keep that connection going, it goes a lot smoother. And a lot of them return to work a lot quicker because they feel like their employer wants them back. Mm -hmm. And so it doesn't feel like a burden, like, oh, well, they're having to pay all this stuff because I, I need to get better. And they're putting it all on themselves where if the employer like puts forth the effort it shows that they have the support, they're more willing, mental health-wise too, to want to come back. Yeah, at the end of the day, this program is developed to get injured workers back to work or quicker. Mm -hmm. And the majority of the employers that we work with, that is their number one goal. Right. And, and I, it sounds like in your experience, as long as uh, we keep injured workers uh, in our heads as human beings right. who are experiencing <laughs> very difficult times mm -hmm. and, and truly want to get those folks back, it's communication and, and making them feel a part of yeah. and support that's going to get them moving through that. Exactly yeah. right, absolutely. And just like anybody else, I mean, in, in a really bad situation, yeah. just the support's key. So technology can sometimes be an issue um, with injured workers because sometimes they're put into a position in an assignment that makes them feel uncomfortable because they're not necessarily always used to that technology. Right. Mm -hmm. What I'd like to do is ask you to come back next week okay. Okay. and talk about a, a situation where we were able to put somebody in a situation like that where they may have felt uncomfortable right. but made them feel comfortable okay. and been able to, to bring success out of that. Can, can you do that? Yeah, I think I have one. Yeah, I think I could. I could come back with one. Yeah, that sounds great. Oh, and Nate, congratulations. Yeah. Oh, you, you were so just much. married uh, right not too long ago. So, there it is. <laughs> uh, congratulations. Thank you so much. We're glad you're here. Yeah, happy to be here. Thanks. We'll talk to you next week. All right. See you next week. Thanks for listening this week to REA Audio. If you have any comments or suggestions for an upcoming episode, please let us know. Email Todd at reemployability.com. Also, please follow REA Audio on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or Stitcher or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also check out more content at listen to REA.com. Join us next week as Nate follows up with a story of technology trouble that was fixed by an open ear. Have a terrific rest of your week.